Is your local business missing that little extra oomph? What if I told you your message could reach thousands of sports fans all across the Columbus area, including the ones that listen to this station? Partner up with Ignite Sports and the Columbus River Dragons for the 2022-23 season and watch your big idea become the next big thing in Columbus. For partnership details and to speak to a representative, call 706-507-4625. That's 706-507-4625. You love and support your local sports teams. Now let your local sports teams support you. Partner with the River Dragons this hockey season and welcome to a brand new episode of two minutes roughing excited to have you guys back here for another episode really packed we're going to talk about nick Nightart going to the could be the coach of the making mayhem las vegas millionaires of the wphl or basically the wphl having some signings and of course <laughs> we have an amazing interview upcoming uh with uh, peter salvo uh, Basically, the journeyman when it comes to the SPHL. Uh, I mean, uh, Mark, this is the interview is pre-recorded uh, for those who are uh, li- listening to the episode right now. But uh, you want to spoil it a little bit because I think it's a very interesting interview. It, it's it, it's going to be a very fun listen for everyone that's listening to the podcast right now. It's going to be a very very fun listen. <laughs> <laughs> it is indeed. All right. But first, we got to talk about some news when it comes uh, to the SPH home. Macon, they have signed a new head coach. Nick Neidhart, of course, has former experience with Vermilion County. Um, also, uh, basically played around the Fed and the SPHL. Uh, basically, in my opinion, a, a player's coach. Uh, I, I'm, I guess I'll go and give my thoughts out there first. This was kind of a wild card pick for me. I really did not expect him to be the Macon coach, uh, but now that I that I am seeing it kind of in person, the news is kind of out there. Really, really good pick in my opinion for Macon. This this is a team that has kind of needed a win when it comes to uh, behind the bench for a while, and a name like Nick, and especially with his coaching style, I think they are going to see a lot of success in the future. If they let him do his thing, that's something I should add also. Uh, so that, that that's my two cents. But Mark, uh, thoughts on Nick going to be the coach of the Making Mayhem? He is a good player, coach. Yeah, I'll I'll say that. But it, I'm not entirely sold on like that's what Making needs right now. Okay, they need. Explain. I think they need a coach that like has experience, like that can turn around that team because Lord knows, like especially last after last year where. They were comparable to the Bobcats in a lot of ways, which is not good. Uh, they need a coach that can that has experience and good ex- and like really good experience at that. Not they really like put down Nightheart's like abilities at all, but at the current moment, I haven't seen enough proof of like, oh yeah, this could, this is the guy that's going to turn the ship around and make it. Like, I hope I'm proven wrong, but it, like, I get the, I get the fact that he's a name and I get, and I know he has history there too, because I think that's one of the, like, wasn't that like one of the first teams he played for? I think so. I, I would have to go back and check, but still. Like back when they weren't the mayhem, they were the making tracks, I do believe. That, no, that's, no, no, he, he did not play in 2005, 2004, 2005. Or like he played for some team. Like I know, uh, he played for Macon at some point it early on in his career. 
Hang on, because there's no way. Hang on, I'll just look at myself. Nick, Night Art. It was around for a while. They very yeah. well could have been the tracks. Uh, it, it, there's no way it was the tracks. Like, that was... That's way too long ago. I got. I gotta say no on that one. Let's see. If he really did play for the tracks, I'm like gonna be surprised. <laughs> um, oh my god, he did play for the making tracks. <laughs> he also played for the actual aces. Yeah, told you, dude. He he was he was playing for a long time. Wow. Okay. Um, I'm eating my words <laughs> on that one. Um. No, like, I get me? it for that instance, too, but... Yeah. I don't know. Like, I I want to be proven wrong. I want to put that out there right now. I want to be proven wrong, but I really just hope I'm not proven right. How, uh, that's the, Actually, no, that's the better way to put it. I really hope I'm not proven right. Yeah. I'm just... Because I'm still shocked. Because needs to be turned choice. around. Attendance was... I know it's a COVID year still... So attendance for all teams were, was down, but like again, when it's comparable to Vermilion County, uh, that that raises some alarms. Mm. That that raised some alarms in the uh, rumor mill com- community, and they gotta turn that that around real fast. Oh, okay. Look, uh, I I know I have been one to be very down on Macon, and I I have I've said some you know I I've said what I thought could happen in off seasons in the past. I am very much, I, I I am much more up on Macon than I have in the past based on uh, new ownership. And I, things I will agree on. there, but they yeah. still need it, like, to show it more, like, on the ice. How about that? Like, on the ice and in the stands, you know. They are getting, I will say they are already in a better spot currently, but, you know, more work needs to be done. Yeah, but still, it's just like, I, I, I really feel like Nick is a good name. I think he, again... Things a lot of things happened in Vermilion County. Let me that's also that. true. I like, that's why I'm not really giving him much down in terms of that. Like I'm not saying what his experience is bad because he's a bad coach, but Vermilion County was such a point blank a crap show this past season that I can't really say if like one way or the other if he was a good coach or not. Yeah, I, I, I mean that did. That's a very fair statement to say, just uh, with everything that was happening there. And so, I here's the problem. I, I, I think that we are kind of looking too much into his experience with Merlin County, and of course, I, I may, I'm maybe I'm taking some personal bias where our, our friend, um, Chris, in Danbury, he's had experience with them. He said he's a great coach. So. Yeah, I'm, maybe I'm taking the word too much a little bit there, but it's just like, mm, you know, maybe you know, maybe we're we need to kind of, you know, I wouldn't say we need to be Debbie Downers on this because again, I'm not like, trying to be. I, I want to point that out there. I'm not trying to be. I am just trying to look at from a okay. Here's a coach that he has had much experience, and the experience he has had hasn't been the greatest looking. I know there's a lot of other factors in there. So maybe here he could turn it around, but you know, I it's more so. I'm not going to doubt him yet, but I hope I am proven wrong. You know, maybe he is what they need. Maybe like, but I want, like I said, I want to be proven wrong. I would love to see him turn around that team 180 degrees. And again, 
I'm not going to say that's happening this year. I think this is a team that's going to make the playoffs. They might make a little noise, but I, I think they're going to be probably a first or second round exit team uh, with him in, on the bench. But I, I really think Macon did make a really good choice for their future, and I think he's. I think we're going a little too much on the past, and I think we're going to see a very different Macon Mayhem team. I hope so because I was there opening night against the first game against Macon. Oh boy. Now, which season was that? Like the very first oh, this past season. season. So, like this past season's first game. Ah, against at the Riverman home opener. Again, they were playing Megan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that team. I'm not even gonna lie. I had a feeling they were going to be that. I had a after that game. I was like, oh god, I, I couldn't. I couldn't tell if we were that good or that or they were that bad. I think it was both. Uh, now, let me also say that that Peoria Riverman team was very bad. The 21, uh, 22 team. <laughs> Uh, they have a Mickey Mouse cup, and no one should with them. <laughs> All right. Anyway, moving on. Wow. You know, you, you, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm right. That's all you can say is wow. All right. Wow. 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 So speaking of, I can say teams, something here. I can say something here, but I'm not. I'm going to be better than that. I'm kind of concerned now. That, I kind of want to hear. Let's, it. let's keep it that way. Okay. Anyway, are we going to make a Huntsville joke? No, don't worry about it. Uh-huh. Now I'm really, now I really want to know. To be honest, well, uh, let's get, let's go, let's get this. You know, do it. Say it. Say it. Say it. No, no, no. Like, uh, so let's see. No, here. don't. Oh, yeah, Las Vegas. So no, no, Las Vegas. You know, uh, I'm gonna derail this. You gotta. You once you say something like that, you gotta let me know. You don't want to know. All right. Well, say, <laughs> say in the private chat then. Say, say in the private chat. And then I will. Then I will let the listeners hear my response. Oh, that that's a low blow. That's a low blow. <laughs> moving on. Moving on. All right, moving on to Vegas. Okay. Uh, so, so Vegas... Las Vegas... The Las Vegas Millionaires have uh, signed a couple players now. Yes. Like, they have started signing players for the camps and everything. Well, let me say, this uh, is the Las Vegas a... uh, Millionaires, not the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. Also, you don't call them the Las Vegas Golden Knights. That's not their name. I, you know, I'm doing it to I'm making, I'm doing it to make someone mad. You know who I'm talking about, but still. Oh <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so they signed a, a Las Vegas area uh, player, uh, Gabe Testa. He played for the uh, Vernal Oilers in in junior hockey recently, and he's he's a decent player from what I've seen. Of uh, so I decided to look him up like videos, and he was decent enough. So you know what, that's not a bad signing. But they also signed a goaltender. And our buddy and runner of uh, my pro hero uh, is one of his clients, uh, Chris Pascal. Uh, he spent some time as an e-bug in the uh, FPHL and the ECHL with uh, a few different teams. And he has a uh, junior experience with the uh, Hampton Roads Whalers. The Hampton like Roads, Virginia? And, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, Hampton Roads Whalers in the in the USPHL, from and the videos that I was shown, he's pretty good. So he's pretty good. So that's a good. That's another good signing for uh, the uh, Western Professional Hockey League. Mm, yeah. So now let's be honest: the Las Vegas Millionaires this year are the WPHL. Yes. They are, they, I mean, they're basically and, the, the and All Stars. Like <laughs> and you know, like I said though, I really love the idea they're doing. If there's like another league in the future that. 
like tries to begin. I hope they do something similar to what the WPHL is doing. I think it's a fantastic idea. I mean, well, to be fair, we've never really seen a league do this before when it comes to a startup. I know, and that's but I, I think the idea is fantastic. It's creative and it gets interest built. I mean, mm. yeah, just the one thing I'm worried about again. Um, when they, did did what, what did what, did they ever confirm that those times were holders? Uh, the time I, crazy times. I'm confident in saying that they are holders. Okay. I'm confident in saying that they are holders. Uh, you, you never know that that was just super weird, and I'm still a little iffy on that. But otherwise, again, if I if I ever happen to be out there uh, when the when they when they, if they happen to be playing a game, I'm going to try to go and see what they're doing because it's at least interesting. And who knows? Uh, so yeah, I think like I said, I think a league like that can work in the West. Because that fills a void. I think that absolutely fills a void. Well, the issue is, I, the, and this is kind of like the one thing that's probably going to be like the, the like the thing that might kill the league if it never gets off the ground. The travel's going to be insane. I mean, the West is so depending spread. depending on who they depend the like that also depends on where they go. And I'm sure they've already fact like I'm sure they've thought about you know it is the West that's more spread out. You know. So I'm sure that's already been like kind of factored in. Yeah, I mean, look, there, there, there's, there. You had to hundred percent do like plane rides for some of these trips. Like it's like you're, you're playing, you're paying plane tickets, and it's not like you can afford a private flight. Like <laughs> no, so uh, it's just I, I, I still have my concerns uh, when it comes to the WPHL. I'm interested in their format and what they're doing to like kind of show off and why people should be interested in their league. So, uh, yeah, I, w- I wish these guys luck. Uh, I hope they have a good time in Las Vegas, enjoy their time there. And, of course, one of them does live there, but still. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. See All right. Well, I think that it's time for you guys to hear the Peter DeSalvo interview. I want to thank Peter again for coming on. That was a, It's a great interview. You guys should listen all the way through. Uh, honest. It's a really fun conversation. And, uh, we get to talk about like a, a, a mystery jersey that I've I've talked about this thing a little bit and I and I want answers. Uh, so we are going to mm-hmm. be taking you guys to that interview in three, two, one, and all right. And welcome to the podcast, Peter DeSalvo. I'm hoping I'm getting that name right. I always screw up names, but excited to have you here on Two Minutes for Roughing. Uh, I, I guess I, I'm really excited because you're probably like one of the coolest and strangest cases in all of minor league hockey. We talked about a little this, a little bit of this before the podcast, but I mean you're basically the like the like journeyman journeys man. I mean, I, I mean I have your elite prospects pulled up, uh, everyone's favorite little database. I mean, looking at all these teams, there, I mean there's some that are no longer in the league. There's some that are, are are in completely different leagues now. I mean, you've played in Australia. I mean, I, I have to ask, what, how, what's kind of like the reason besides just you're going place to place? You're, I mean, you've played basically everywhere in the Midwest and the Southeast when it comes to hockey. I mean, that has to, there has to be a reason for that. Well, first, thank you for putting it the nice way of calling me a suitcase. <laughs> but, uh, no, uh, I changed around with teams for different reasons. Um, like my rookie season, I started at Pensacola, loved playing there, 
loved the the coach Rod Aldoff. Still keep in contact with him and all. But the following season, when I went to Mississippi, it was just a better opportunity for me uh, for playing wise and everything. So I took my chance, and it ended up working out for me for about uh, two and a half years. Uh, and halfway through that third year, um, I knew like for the next season, going back into the SP, I was going to need a change of scenery. So that's when I asked for the trade out of Mississippi and, you know, it's just stuff like that all the time. And then um, from going, leaving, well, from, I had a bunch of different ECHL call-ups too, and was just never in the right situation where I could stick even when, when I, when I would play well, like one place I wish I could have stayed on, uh, with for a long time was the Allen Americans. That was my favorite place to play in the ECHL. And you know, the coach that was there, Steve Martinson, was awesome. And their new uh, coach, uh, Chad Costello, who was the captain when I was there, he was fantastic too. But, you know, things happen. And then, um, you know, I, I finished my SPHL career of Quad City for unfortunate uh, circumstances. And uh, but I was glad to uh, end up in Danbury and finish all my, my career there. I mean, yeah, I mean, Again, I just want to reiterate how many teams uh, you have been with. Mississippi, Fayetteville. I didn't play a game there. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you did. Let's see. Yeah, you don't. (laughs) Um, uh, Peoria, Macon, Course Quad City, Knoxville. And, of course, I shall say uh, Knoxville was with the COVID season and with 2022, 20. Actually, 2022, 2020, 2021. But, I mean, again, you like you said, ECHL. Now, you mentioned you didn't you mentioned one you didn't mention uh, one league in particular, uh, the Perth Thunder with the IA. I mean, I AI. Yeah, I'm screwed. Yeah, I, I am. I'm I'm bad with names tonight. <laughs> but I have to ask, what's it like playing in Australia, especially with a summer league down there? Um, Australian league's fun. Like, uh, you get to explore different parts of Australia. They bring you in, they set you up there with a house with other imports. They help find you a job because it's a league where you don't get paid to play, but teams usually set you up with a pretty good job to make some good money while you're there. Um, it's usually with like one of their main sponsors, something like that. And you can pick and choose what you want to do. You don't even have to work when you go, if you don't want to, you can just play and live off of whatever you save, you have saved up in your own bank account from, uh, from previous seasons and all that kind of stuff too. And, um, you know, the hockey's fun. It could be a little stressful at times as a goalie because the skill level is not quite as good as like say the fed or the SP. Um, but you know, the players, the players there though, like they do try hard, especially like the younger core and all that kind of stuff. Like they take pride in this and they pay to play. They have to pay to play in these leagues. Like they're, they're too good to be called amateur, but they're not good enough to be considered pro. So they're right in that middle ground there too. And, um, you know, I, I have nothing but good things to say about that league in Australia itself. Like the people, like the people there are great people with what everything else that's going on with there. I'm not going to comment right now, but, uh, <laughs> other than that, it's great. Yeah. I mean, um, Mark, I, I, I can, I can feel it. You have a question that you want to ask. I can tell. I'll let you, I'll let you free. Mark? So yeah, with the uh, so going back to the SPHL, the one thing that like at least when I was like getting into the back into the league because when Peoria came in, it it was a weird journey going into the league. But there was one team that you were a part of uh, after your first season as SPHL, and that was 
Mississippi with the River Kings. Yeah. And that's like the still the league that I like when I think of Peter DeSalvo, it's with the River Kings jersey on. And specifically the the bright yellow jersey that they had later on. <laughs> like yeah. so what was yeah. it like like playing um like actually kind of setting up a sort of base in uh in South Haven during your time there and that you know Mississippi as a whole I would say was my probably I would have to say that was probably my favorite place to play in terms of city wise and how we were taken care of. Like um off ice we were taken so we were taken so good care of by our, our coach, um our general our uh, GM, our booster club and all that stuff like that was great. We lived our apartments were they were pretty nice apartments, nothing special, but they had everything we needed, and they're a place that anybody could live comfortably. They were a legit a thirty second drive away from the rink, so never hitting traffic, never getting late to the rink. Everything we everything we knew was around us. Uh, Memphis, Tennessee was twenty minutes up the road, so that was always a good place to go, uh, like do sightseeing and stuff like that. The only thing that um, Made it, made it an easy decision for me to leave was just um, the hockey never got better um, because, like, uh, our coach didn't actually coach us. He just put us out there and said, play hockey. And Ooh. that was the poor mindset that a lot of coaches in, these minor, in, the, in the minor leagues seemed to have at first. And that's the issue that some of these teams have these days, that their coaches don't actually coach them. Like in Mississippi, we legit did the same drills every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday before. Like every day, we I got my, I know I got my days mixed up there, but <laughs> but we never practiced power play. We never pa- practiced defensive zone coverage. None of that stuff. It was always flow drills and battle drills. And that's all we ever did. We may have been the best in shape team in the league because of how much we bag skated during our drills and all that, but we never we can never put a system together to play against teams like. My first season there, our skill level was easily an ECHL team quality, but we lost in the finals to Knoxville because we were outcoached. Like their team that year had three or four enforcers on their team, and they were able to beat us, though we had a better skill. It was because they were properly coached. Was that, wait, was Sicard on that Ice Bears team? Uh, that might have been Huntsville. Yeah, he was. Then he was. Oh, was he of Huntsville at that point? Okay. Denny was on Knoxville that year, and um, they had Jason Pulowski there as well. Pulowski. Uh, Jason Price was there too. Uh, oh, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> well, they had they had some they had some. Uh, Jared Rush was on that team too. They had they had some big boys on that team for sure. Man, yeah. Okay, so getting into like you were saying, like Mississippi wasn't very well coached. Okay, so. You've been with some a lot of SPHL teams. Which ones have you say like were like some of the best coaches? Uh, Rod in Pensacola was great. Like we had, he took the time to teach guys how to do things that they had never done before. Like we had a guy on the team who was like who had never played penalty kill. Like he was straight offense, but we came short one weekend on guys that we needed some step up to play penalty kill, and he taught this kid how to play penalty kill in a week, and he was on penalty kill for the rest of the season and he was phenomenal at, at it, like great at it. Um, 
Zhangi and Peoria is great. You know, he's um, he's got a good philosophy around the game and all that, and he expects a lot out of his players. And um, I'd say the, those are probably my top two for sure. Yeah, I know uh, as somebody who actually is Peoria-based myself, Zongi, I've always considered more of a – I feel like he's a good manager, if that makes sense. Because he knows how to get players. Like, I have i don't know what it's been lately. He's gotten these rookies. I don't know where he's getting them from, but they come in and they wreck havoc. No, he's got his connections, that's for sure. He's He played a long time. He played at a high level, so he knows a lot of people, so he knows where to get his contact. You know, he has his contacts of where to get his players from. Yeah. All right. Oh. So speaking of, of context, um, you, you you played one season in the Fed, which was, of course, 2021-2022. Danbury Hattricks. I, I, I'm kind of derailing because I, this is like a question I've been having for like forever. Everyone talks about if you're a player, 102, they, you, I mean, we, we got a story from Ryan... They, they literally got a picture of his girlfriend and they were putting it on the ice. Like, you know, on the, the glass, not the ice, but they were just basically yeah. showing him. So I have to ask. Like, they cut out a picture of his girlfriend and they were like, during warm ups, they would like put up the picture of his girlfriend. And that was like one of the only times where he was just like, what the heck? Yeah, but I have to ask. Danbury is known for having a crazy crowd. What was it like having that crowd behind your back? I mean, it, it probably had to help a bunch. Yeah, I'm glad I never had to face it from the other side. <laughs> like, some of the things that I heard, like, were funny and, like, ha-ha and stuff like that. But there's some things I'm just like, that's that's crossing the line. And I'm one of those guys that, like, you go to a comedy club and a guy and the comedian wants to start picking jokes at me. I'm going to laugh at that all day long. I don't care how ruthless he gets. But there is that line where, you know, we we may hate the other team, but we still have respect for them in a way. And we don't want that stuff to be brought uh, to the ice or to the game. So, you know, there's certain like it can happen anywhere. Like another place that was ruthless for me to go to was uh, Louisiana when the ice skaters were around. Some of the things that were said to me there were unforgivable. And the, the nerve that some of those fans had had to come up to me after the game and say, we didn't mean what we said. We we're just trying to throw you off your game. I didn't even say a word to them. Like it was bad. Some of the things that they said to me while I was out there on the ice. I mean, I, I've I, never heard about Louisiana actually. Okay. I heard a couple stories. I didn't know it was that bad though. Wow. Like, like I, I can, I can say this all I want about Louise. I had fans behind my net uh, in the crowd yelling at me, telling me to go kill myself. What? Wow. Go kill myself. Um, the, the girl I was dating at the time, they would they would yell out her name, saying, "Hey, I'm cre- I'm on her Facebook right now. Look at it. I'm looking at her picture from this this with you. What the hell is she doing? Like stuff stuff like that. It's like it, it was worse than that. I, that was me. Uh, that was me. I just making. It, it was bad. <laughs> Oh, okay. I, I, I heard, like, I, you know, I, you, you hear like stories with like LSU and here Louisiana sports teams they can get really, really rough. But it's like that's that's, <laughs> that's bad. Um, okay, I, I don't know where to take it I, from there. Like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> like okay. Like, and actually, speaking of LSU, there's that team gets 
gonna potentially be happening here soon. Uh, <laughs> uh, but wow, wow! I did not. Yeah, as somebody who's who's whose own team has some history with Louisiana and other leagues, uh, that I'd never heard about stories like that from them. <laughs> yeah, it's. It, it it was bad there. Like some of those other things that I've heard, like in not just there too. I, like I've heard it, I've heard it all really. And but the some that's some of that stuff directed towards me. It's like you there's it, there was no level of respect. And then the fact that they were trying to get my respect for them after the game, saying that they didn't mean what they said. You don't say stuff like that and then claim you didn't mean it. Yeah. yeah. Like there's chirping. Like there's. Extreme yeah, chirping, and then the suck. There's there's fans in the smaller rink holding up a trash can, pointing at you, and then point the trash can, saying you're a piece of trash and stuff like that. That stuff I can tolerate. I could tolerate that you suck. I can tolerate the chance after you let in I, a goal that it's all your fault. That's I had. I remember one guy back in, when I was a, when I was a kid. He had a baby bottle, and he would go wham, 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 shake it at the visiting bench. <laughs> Yeah, it's, that stuff's funny. Yeah, okay. All right, moving on, because that, that went really dark really quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, okay. So, you, I, Mark, I didn't bring this up because I just kind of had this click in my head. I have a mystery Mississippi jersey. I can send a picture. I might go dig around in my closet and have Mark like kind of hold the podcast for a second. because, And maybe if I describe it, you'll, it'll click. So I I think it's a hundred percent a prototype jersey. I'm gonna I'll post a picture. Like I've had a like I've been wanting information on this jersey since twenty twenty no twenty nineteen maybe. Mark, okay. you know what jersey I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, send it my way. Send it my way. Yeah, you know what? Um you ask ask a question for Peter for uh, Peter. I think he I think you got something there. I, another question right there. I'm gonna go dig around and find it. I haven't have it in my apartment, so let me go find okay. it real quick. So Okay, so now you are retired. The Mad Dog has officially gone to the retirement home. <laughs> what is have you? Did you have a kind of like like was something? Did you have not really regrets, but like something that you wish you would have been able to do, but never quite did? Um, if anything, it would have been to be able to try to stick in the ECHL. At some point, like continue to move my career forward, that would have been great. But um, you know, maybe you, you put up some decent numbers. Doesn't yeah. Alan? Like you, like it wasn't like you were putting up like sub nine hundred numbers. No, you were putting up like I see like a nine forty nine in three games in 2015, 2016. Uh, nine five games with Alan in 2016-17 with. A 970 save percentage, like when you were coming in, you were coming in and you were playing very well. Yeah, like and like I was saying earlier, with all the with like all the team transitions that I had with going from team to team, it was um, it was tough to stick with some teams, especially with Allen, because the goalie I was coming in to replace that was injured was uh, Riley Gill. He's a four time Kelly Cup champion. Oh settled, yeah, settled in Allen with his oh wife and kids and all, you know, they're not going to cut me for him no matter how well I'm doing. And then both years that I was there, the guy, other guy that I was there with were on uh, NHL or AHL contracts. And even though I was doing better than them, they couldn't 
cut them for me, you know, it was, it was tough. And there was, at the time, it was when Allen was owned by the same owners of Tulsa and Wichita, those three brothers owned all yeah. three. And they weren't willing to put up extra contracts for a third goalie anywhere aside from maybe Wichita because that's the only team they really cared about. Yeah, because, like, that's the only way that could have kept you out. Like, genuinely, with those numbers, if I'm a fan, like, that's the only way that could maybe keep you out. And that's even just a maybe. Like, there's – wow, I've never – I'll be honest, I've never seen, like, the numbers before, like, last couple of days, but – Yeah. Oh. No, Al was great. I fit in well. I felt right at home, even though every time I was there, it was just for a short period of time. Guys are always great, and it's just the way the it's just the way it was. You know, it's that's the tough thing about the minors for goaltending is that you know there's only two, maybe three spots on the team. Usually, and ninety nine percent of the time, it's two spots, and a lot of times guys are solidified in spots, and you know the coaches just. Um, have to make certain moves or not make moves that just depending on who they have and their affiliations, you know? Yeah. So last few years before, like before your retirement, you were mainly with the quad city storm. What was it like going up to Moline and playing like was essentially your last SPHL days there? Um, no, it was the first, the first season in quad city, even though we didn't make playoffs was amazing. Like we, like even uh, we, I don't remember how long it was. It was either a month or two months. We knew we weren't making playoffs, but we still wanted to go to the rink every single day. We were still having fun playing hockey. We still had fun at practice and we, you know, we still tried our best every single, every single day, you know, and um, the next season, you know, we got better, but there was some, something, someone I should say, decided to do certain things a different way and it made guys miserable and we were not having we were making playoffs before the season got shut down but guys were miserable going to the rink every single day and but and then you know COVID happened and we came back and it was exciting again the whole season was exciting and then you know another quick left turn happened and I ended up getting released and um, you know I I really wish if things had gone the way it were handled, the way things were in the first season, I think things would have been a lot different. And I seriously think a championship could have been won there this past season. But, um, you know, uh, hockey aside from quad from uh, in the quad cities, like Moline, the whole quad cities is awesome. Like the community there is so tight with hockey, like not just ice hockey too. They have deck hockey there as well. Oh yeah. I, because I lived in a, for about a year, I remember loving going to the deck hockey tournament yeah, that they'd have. Was, like, yeah, the you know the the uh, Levesque brothers who run it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nick, yeah, like Nick was with me in in Danbury and all, but yeah, they, yeah. they had me refing and I played a little bit too and all that and just everybody there like comes to the games too and like you get I base I in a way I probably met every single fan that was there at some point if not. At a, at a storm game after when I was playing, it was at deck hockey and just the community is so tight. And I got nothing but respect for the, that fan base. And, and yeah, all. So, and I, w- I hope they build more of those because it's yeah. so fun. Yeah. If there's uh, one, if there's like one person in that organization I really miss. It's, it's the president, uh, Brian Rothenberg, that guy. 
was amazing. <laughs> he was he's a gem, and he was our broadcaster the first year. Yeah. And, and all let's and then, go. I, I approve. Brian Love. I love Brian. He's very friendly. Brian, Brian, yes. Brian was awesome. He did he did so much for me and my family off the ice. I could never thank him enough. And you know, there I, I, I'm gonna miss that guy. And uh, Ann Boyd, she did a lot of our um sponsorships and got us like some of our our deals with some companies and stuff. She was awesome too. And all uh, Carrie Idol, who worked at the rink, she was one of the rink management crew. I don't, I can't remember her exact title, but she basically ran that place with another guy named DJ. She flood, flooded her ice whenever I did one-on-one privates with kids on the ice. There, she, uh, she would flood the ice for me and keep the nets out, and just uh, just so many good people in the Quad Cities. I, I truly do miss living there. I really wish things could have worked out better. And I could have seen a future there for myself and my family. Yeah, like something funny with the quasis, like whenever I was living there, the I feel like sometimes I didn't know what city I was in. Yeah, yeah especially on the Iowa side, borderline. Especially on the Iowa side, like I didn't know if I was in Bettendorf or Davenport half the time. Yeah, that that happened to me too. Like we'd be at a restaurant. And then I'd be looking up for it on my GPS another time. Like, oh, I thought it was a Davenport, but it's not. It's a Bettendorf. <laughs> it, there, there's some funky borders going on there. Yeah. So, by the way, Randall, welcome back. Uh, yes. Did you find what you were looking for? Yeah, so time for the distraction and the the taking off the rails. So I just threw on a Gazo link. That shows the, that has the – I just took a picture of the jersey. All right. So just to give a backstory for this jersey. I found this thing randomly on eBay, and I thought, okay, this is just a random knockoff jersey. And I talked to the guy. It turns out he's actually, like, someone who has connections to, like, the Kings. He has one of the prototypes for the, the um, was it Memphis or Mississippi? I'm going to say Mississippi. Memphis. It would have been Mississippi at the time. No, I'm talking yeah. about for the FPHL team that was going to play in South Haven. Oh, oh that was, right. That was, yes. Yeah, that was in the Fed team. Yeah, I knew – yeah, it, I remember when that was happening. Yeah, so he, he happens to have one of the Storm jerseys also. It's one of the two Storm jerseys, and he's the same guy who I bought this from. So it's some kind of prototype jersey. It's real. Like, it has a strap. It's um, OA, and it's just like, it's this This is a real thing. And I, there's, I cannot figure out the backstory behind this jersey. Like, no, yeah. I, I've asked so many people... And I was just wondering, do you happen to know that jersey? Do you, do you have you seen it before? No, I've never, I've never seen this jersey. Um, when my first season with the River Kings, I we were still wearing the green, gold, and black. Yeah, you were still the, the turtle gold, not the yellow, not the yellow sports gold. And then we did have a team vote to get our opinion on which jersey, like New Jersey, we we're in like the most. This one may have been on that list, but I. I don't remember it. I rem- we had like um, we knew the jerseys were going to get changed. We had like four jerseys that were these colors, and then we had two that were like the original colors. One was uh, like a darker green with a turtle on it still, and another one was like the similar like pine like not like a forest green with the gold with this logo on it. And then we had a bunch of different versions of like uh, this, like this style jersey, I guess. But I don't remember exactly what they all looked like. But yeah. we did get a vote in saying like which ones we preferred, and um, 
honestly, like I voted for the new turtle that that they showed us. Uh, yeah, yeah just, not gonna lie, I was not a fan of that of the jersey that did get released. Like I was not a fan. The design was just too the funky with the color scheme. It the first, match. the first year with these colors was just they weren't the best. Like they weren't bad, but they weren't the best. Like the white jerseys, the numbers were black, but the name bar, like the name, the name bars were yellow letters with the white background so you couldn't even read the names on the back oh right but then the next year when they changed them up they were actually like pretty nice jerseys with this concept i'm i'm really not a fan of that logo like that logo to me looks like it belongs on the shoulders of a jersey it looks like a shoulder patch okay you know what i agree there yeah the m yeah it's it's definitely a shoulder patch yeah i like i know what they're trying to do they're trying to like make a newer version of the original River Kings logo because yeah. from the first season of Memphis River Kings, these were the colors and that was a logo. And then the next season they changed to the turtle and everything. Personally, if you went with these colors and the and the original turtle logo, I think that could have been way better. And then put this put this shoulder patch on it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think that would have worked out. I think that would have been better than everything else. Make a modern yeah. turtle. It could have made a modern turtle. Turtle. You could have made a modern Hageman. Yeah, <laughs> and just another odd detail. Just in case this this thing happens, if there's someone listening and they happen to know the story behind this jersey, I'm going to put a picture out on my Twitter and I'm going to attach it to the link for this podcast. And it has a marking on the inside where it literally has the tag where it says it's a size 60. It's like literally sharpened over and it says 54. So this thing is way too. It's it's definitely some kind of prototype. I cannot figure yeah. out that. I just want to know the backstory because. It's not a bad looking jersey. It's weird. Oh, I, I actually love it. I think that's what they sort of went with. It, yeah, like, that's a lot better than what they went with. Uh, I think that's better than the yellow jerseys that they had their last season, the, when they had the white arms. Yeah, then, like that's what I was talking about. They, like their black jerseys look great. They look like Pittsburgh's blacks, and then they had those weird yellow. But then they had their like cream jerseys that said River River Kings across, like the New York Rangers. Like oh, that, that. Oh, those, I forgot those about are nice that. too. But uh, you know the the black jerseys were were always the better ones. And my last season there, we did have a yellow jersey that season as well with a modified logo. But it had that modified logo had like that M with the crown logo and the original and the turtle logo all mixed into one. Mm, wow! Yeah, that sounds like the, the super mishmash. But oh. Yeah. I want well. I want to say thank you for one looking at this jersey because, yeah. I, again, I I will. I literally don't. I just want to know the backstory on this thing because again, there this this things out there or at least I have the, the only one and I just want to know why this thing exists because I've I, asked TJ. I, well, he, I don't think he was around in your time, but I've asked people in the Burger Kings organization. They've never seen it, so it's it's something and it's real. Yeah. But well, I wish I knew. Like um, man, we had. It just makes me think. If the COVID season never happened and Quad City was able to play that year when I was in Knoxville, we were that we would have had an all gray jersey with like limited blue on it. Like the logo was going to be like black, white, and gray. No blue on it's not, it. Just a slight outline of the that Quad City blue on the on the logo, and that's it. And same thing on the letters. On sorry, on the numbers on the back. Like I think I might I might show the picture of it somewhere. 
but like Those... when I was presented them, like that's a pretty sweet gray jersey. Well, they need to bring that back. I, I think I, know they that had existed. something like that. Well, they had like a gray jersey uh, with yeah. the QC Storm logo. Like it had yeah, the first the, the first two seasons, we had the exact same jerseys. And the gray ones, they were nice, but the issue we had were the black stripes going through the middle that yeah. camouflaged the numbers. So the first year we had black numbers, and you just couldn't really see them, especially on the live feeds, because you know every rink the camera is <laughs> too far away. And then we switched to the having blue numbers, but even then, like it was a better yes, but at the same time. Just that material that it was made of made it so reflective. It was still hard to see the numbers. So I'm, I just uh, found a, a picture of you wearing the jersey with the black numbers. Yeah. But <laughs> quads jerseys last season were phenomenal. They looked just like San Jose. Just instead of teal, it was the quad city blue. Uh, yeah, that, that, that those are pretty good jerseys to have from quad city. All right. Um, I think that's all the questions I have. Mark, do you have anything else? Uh, you know, I think I think we're good here. All right. Peter, it was great to have you on the show. Thank you. Yes, it was. Do you have anything you want to promote before uh, leaving to today's episode of talk of uh, Two Minutes of Roughing? Uh, no, I didn't have anything in mind. Thanks for uh, having me on. And, you know, I enjoy doing this type of stuff. And, um, you know, hopefully, uh, maybe one day you guys can be able to call me back on. Maybe I'm doing something else with hockey later on in the future. Yeah. Hey, yeah. You never know. All right. I want to say thank you one more time. We will be back in just a few seconds, guys. And welcome back for that, that wonderful interview with Peter. I want to thank him once again for coming on and talking about his career and just so much with us. Uh, again, a very interesting interview uh, as you just heard, so I want to say thank you once again for coming on. All right. Yeah, the Mad Dog was a blast to have. Yes, yes, it was, and <laughs> like I said, it got dark for a little bit, but it was still an he, interesting he, interview. I guess you could say the Mad Dog has both a bark and a bite. Yes, yes, it does. Anyway, if you want to send us a, vo- a voicemail, go ahead and call us at two zero five nine two eight three zero four one. You can leave us a question. You can leave us a comment. You can, you know, if you want something to, if you have something you want us to talk about, we'll talk about it right here on the show. So, once again, call that number 205-928-3041. All right. That is it for two minutes for roughing this week. Mark, I'll go and let you do your little promotions thing. You can check me out at, at on Twitter at Prospector8CKY. And you can also check me out on Blogger, Prospector Hockey, and yeah. And lately I've been uh, starting to do a couple more things. Uh, I recently put out a little piece, little, like, quick hit is what we're calling it right now, of that time, remember that time a hockey team had to change their jerseys because of a game war? I, uh, you know, I haven't gotten to read the piece yet, but now I am going to read that because, uh, wow. It, it, it's a true thing. It's kind of messed up, but you, it, it 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 makes sense once you read it. <laughs> okay, uh, and I have been the Miley Grando. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Miley Grando. I do not talk about gang warfare and why we should change jersey colors because of that. Um, <laughs> um, feel free to also turn into talking miners with the Rando. 
12 Out Sports, 8.30 p.m. Eastern every Monday night. Once again, we don't talk about gang warfare there either. <laughs> and on that on that sour note, uh, we will see you next week um, here on Two Minutes of Roughing. Have a good night, everybody. Later.